I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcome Wasp scrum half Joe Simpson, Harlequins duo Tim Visser and Jack Clifford, and Geordie Shaw star Gaz Beadle. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Austin Healy, Lawrence Delalio, Ben Kay, Brian O'Driscoll, and our studio guests. Let's bring you some of the headline news. Um, often the World Cup sees a few ch- coaching changes. We've already had Stuart Lancaster stepping down, Eddie Jones coming in. Heineke Meyer has advised the South African Rugby Union that he does not wish to be considered as a candidate to be the Springboks coach. My integrity has always been very important to me, he said, and I feel I can leave with my head held high. He certainly can. A man who wears his heart on his sleeve, one of his ex-Springboks, Rob Lowe, has said uh, Heineke Meyer had the toughest job on the planet and didn't lack commitment and passion. And obviously, Rob Kitson at The Guardian already speculating Mahana Khmer's time has passed. Enter Alistair Kutsia. We'll be keeping a very close eye on who might take that job. Talking about international coaches, we thought fast Eddie Jones might make a quick start, but rather embarrassingly, he had some visa issues, as Martin said. Um, but he's now started as England coach. And Brian, some of the decisions he's got is his coaching team. Speculation already from Owen Slot in the Times. He's already made an approach to Steve Borthwick, who, of course, worked with him in the Japanese squad. Um, and, Brian, one of the big decisions will be around the captaincy. Will he reappoint Chris Robshaw at Harlequins? Joe Launchbury's getting a lot of raps at the moment as an international player and a captain yourself. From outside centre, what are your views on that? Well, I'm going to shoot every back out there at international level in the foot now and say it's not a position to captain outside of 10. It really isn't. I did it for 10 years and I was, you know, such a huge honour to do it. I couldn't turn it down. But if you really want to be in control, get into the referee's ear and get into his head a little bit, you need to be one to nine and probably excluding the front three because their head goes in places that, you know, you wouldn't put your foot. So maybe second row to nine. So what you're basically saying is the forwards give away all the penalties, so we need to be close to the referee. Exactly. I hear what you're saying. Very, very interesting appointment. Talking of England players, as Martin said at the top of the show, Manu Tuilangi, massive signing allegedly over £400,000 to keep him at Leicester Tigers. Ben Young's obviously re-signing. There was speculation he may go to Bath. And Ed Slater, the club captain, and Freddie Byrne. So, fantastic. I mean, do you think the decision for Manu Tulangi was a simple one or might have been influenced a little bit by the coaching there? Absolutely. I think Aaron Major coming in, you can see that he's trying to get them to play a particular brand and it's exciting. And I think players like Ben Young signing on is huge. Ed Slater as well. But Manu, no one's really talked about Manu that much this year. He was a huge loss to England in the World Cup. And when he gets back for Leicester and for England, he'll be a force to be reckoned with.
Now, our first guest tonight was born in Australia. Ooh. Panto season. But he plays for England. Yay! <laughs> oh, brilliant. You're on song. Uh, he's a product of the Wasps Academy. He was shortlisted for IRB Young Player of the Year in 2008. He made his England debut at the 2011 World Cup. His 2015 World Cup hosts were thwarted by injury, but he's back. He's on song. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Joe Simpson. Yay! Joe, great to see you. Welcome along. Um, Wasps, well, I mean, what a story over the last 18 months. Incredible. We'll get on to the X of the game, maybe not the best one, but we'll let's concentrate and accentuate the positives. Performances in Europe, astonishing this year. The turnaround since you went to the Rico, this is your first full season there. Just give us an idea of how huge the change has been at Wasps from what it was in the dark days. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the change has been fantastic. Um, professionalism has gone through the roof. Um, we loved acting, um, our training ground and, and High Wycombe, that was our home, that was my home. Um, but now we're, we've made the long move up to Coventry and, and things are working out quite well. We're, we're playing, I think, the best rugby that I've ever played for Wasps, um, personally, and, and the, the attendances are up and, and financially we're, we're stable, which is something that we never had before. Were well, the dark days when you're referring to when Lawrence was captain? Yeah. Well, Lawrence was captain <laughs> and, they, what, and they were winning, they were winning <laughs> Heineken Cups. No, I'm talking about the days when, when Dai Yong had to put his hand in his own pocket to pay for transport for the team. I mean, that, there was a moment when you guys were pretty close to going out of business. Yeah, I think we were a couple of weeks away. We were, we were struggling um, and Derek has come in um, and done a fantastic job. He's, he's really backed um, Dai. He's brought Dai in and really backed um, back the whole squad and the whole team and, and, and at the moment it's paying off and, and we hope that we can keep improving. Well, you're either doing your Christmas shopping or you've got a question for Joe on Twitter. Well, we've, we've had lots of questions for Joe. Uh, one that I've, we've picked out from Andy Good. Yes, ah. What are you looking at? <laughs> your, your history's come up at the top line. It's not so good. Listen, everyone knows about my history. Uh, so one from uh, our, your former teammate, Andy Good, saying, does Simo want the, uh, the number of a good hair transplant surgeon uh, and does he now have hair envy? That's obviously yeah. referring to the fact that... Uh, what are you pointing at me for? <laughs> <laughs> and I were talking about this earlier. We were thinking about getting jumping on the bandwagon. Um, maybe post-career I can, I can have uh, some luscious locks. There you go. I mean, Goody's had a decent weave, Austin. You're a good expert on that sort of thing. I think he looks pretty good and fair play to him for coming out. You know, <laughs> men struggle with baldness. It's not really been an issue for me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's focus on Leicester Tigers. They staged one of the great comebacks against Worcester Warriors at six ways, but we will start at Kingsholm, where Gloucester, who was struggling a bit in the Premiership, took on the Sale Sharks. It was a pretty impressive game overall, I thought. Gloucester coming back, but lol, we were there. Yep. There was a lot of chat about Danny Cipriani, and they didn't take their opportunities. He was 63% goal-kicking <laughs> going into the game, um, and it was clear that his confidence was shaken. Well, he's had a couple of misses, isn't he, against uh, Newcastle and again against Quinns. But when you're playing away from home, you know, not taking opportunity shots at goal, there was about six or seven that we counted. And there was one in particular when they're five points ahead, would have taken them eight points ahead. And you just feel that either his bottle's gone or he's, he's definitely had a bit of confidence loss. And, uh, you know, it was quite windy, but, the, but you've got to take those opportunities. And I, I just felt as, as well as Gloucester played, this was a game that Sale, you know, were well within their rights to win. And they, they've got to take those opportunities at goal. Right, interesting listening to Steve Diamond in the build-up to this game through the week. Early on in the week, very critical 
of Danny Cipriani, saying that uh, yeah, he really should have got those kicks. Then later in the week, saying, actually, he didn't lose us the games. He could have won them for us. Semantics a little bit. <laughs> but clearly trying to urge Cipriani on to, to do as well as he thinks he can do. Yeah, it's emotions early on, and then you realise you need to inspire confidence in your player you know, for the following week as well. So, listen, all good players, are, you know, confidence comes you know, in fits and starts in lots of different players. And you know, when he's going well, you know, Sailor going to go well. He's a very, very talented footballer. So he just needs to have that confidence and kick a few goals, and maybe the rest of it will flow. Yeah, but the try he created was a lovely little chip as well. Let's move on to the Worcester game and Leicester's biggest ever comeback, Ben. As a board member, you must be immensely proud. Well, absolutely, actually, yeah, because, uh, you know, they didn't, Leicester didn't start well at all and, and they were blown away by a Worcester team. I'm sure Donnacher O'Callaghan being uh, sent off made a massive difference and, and that was probably the, t the turning point of the game. I know that uh, Dean Ryan wasn't overly happy with the initial yellow card, but I just think to, for Donnacher, what, what was he trying to achieve? I don't think, you know, he could have had any good come out of yeah. that. He, he, the referee might have ignored it, but he wasn't, wasn't going to be in the defensive line to make the tackle. So I just feel you, you're running the risk on your own line when a team's attacking, you run the risk by flopping into a breakdown, whether you're leading with your head or not, the referee might give a decision that you're deliberately trying to slow it down. So, uh, uh, but uh, you know, in terms of the comeback by Leicester, it showed a lot of bottle, but I think Richard Cockrell, having praised them in the media after the game, I think will have been pretty tight on them about the fact that they shouldn't have been 17 points down uh, straight at the beginning of the game. Our next guest was one of the superstars at Rugby Aid. What a fantastic day that was in September, raising a lot of money for charity. You met some superstars from the world of sport and entertainment. Our guest tonight didn't score that night. First time he's ever been able to say that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Gaz Beadle. Gaz. Gaz. So that was your first ever game of rugby at Rugby Aid? It was, yes. And you pulled your hamstring after how many seconds of the match? About eight minutes. <laughs> you said you were going I to pull something. I didn't, I didn't really pull it, I just seen like... <laughs> I'm here all week. I just seen Brad Thorn run the woods I was off. Was that, how scary was that? Because obviously these guys, not me and uh, Joe, these guys are pretty big, or Dricko, are pretty big. Yeah. Um, so was there an element of fear in your mind before the game? I think when I was doing the national anthem, standing next to Jason Robinson, I just kind of thought, what the hell am I doing here, man? And then I seen Brad Thorne run towards us, and I was just like, yep, hamstring is gone, I'm off. <laughs> well, we saw Jamie Lang a few weeks ago, yeah. and, uh, and he got wiped out by Brad Thorne, broke two of his ribs. I think he did the wise thing. <laughs> so what was it like going out on that field? I mean, a lot of people here will have loved you. All would have loved to play in that game, wouldn't you? Would you, but would you have put your bodies on the line in the same way? Is that genuinely how you felt? You felt, you know, scared for your life. I think, like, like I said, we stand against some of them boys and you see how big they are. Like, I was tiny, man. And I looked at, like, I say, Brad and that Serge Beston and stuff like that. And when they run towards you, it is the scariest. That Serge Beston's face, though, it's got nothing to do with what he plays <laughs> like on the field. It's just, like I said, it's my first ever game of rugby and the training, the build-up, everything was amazing. When you actually, like, once them first tackles started going in, it wasn't, wasn't a charity match anymore. Them boys were playing, like, properly. That's how Jamie obviously broke his ribs. And the tackles did start, like, they were hitting them hard. But it was, like, one of the best days I've had in a long time. Has it sparked an interest in rugby? Do you watch the occasional game when you're not travelling around the world doing whatever it is you do? I did, actually. actually <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually stayed quite close to a lot of the boys. And um, I went to one of the England matches in the World Cup. And um, I, went, I actually went to the New Zealand All Blacks Hall, Dan Carter messages on Twitter. And they had a Geordie Shore competition in their team hotel. 
So I went down and judged the competition at the All Blacks Hotel, which is the most random thing. Um, so I'm still pally with Dan Carter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little path into it. You've got to go through Ali Williams now to get to Dan Carter. <laughs> <laughs> you realise Why did we not hear about the All Blacks having Geordie Shaw parties yeah, during the World Cup? It was because they were playing in Newcastle, wasn't it? So they were playing, the hotel was like four okay, minutes out. Outstanding. Yeah, so they got us down. That's great stuff. Well, you, cool. you, yeah. yeah, brilliant. You're a great sport at rugby, eh? Fantastic. Yeah, it's good to see Eddie Jones up there, isn't it? Um, enjoying the company and the weather. Uh, what's it like, Joe? He's obviously on the road now. He's looking at a load of English qualified players. Is it in the back of your mind or is it right at the front of your mind? That the, 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 you know, there's a line in the sand and you can start again. Yeah, it's a, it's a big point for, for players who haven't quite made it, um, um, made, succeeded with their England ambitions so far. Um, I guess it's all we can concentrate on is our, our club form and, and whilst have been going well, we, we had a poor performance on the weekend, which was frustrating, but, um, but you just need to really make sure that your performance is up to scratch and, and the selection should take care of itself. Let's pretend he's not watching. Do you think you are going to get in the team? Um, um, the, the problem is there's so many good nines in the Premier League. No, 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 I didn't say that. <laughs> Let's pretend, do you think you're good enough to play nine for England? Um, I believe I can, good. I can contribute um, and bring something that other players can't. So do I. So good say man. it. <laughs> You've got the ringing endorsement of Austin Healy. How does that make you feel? Good. Makes you feel good. Ben, important thing though for, for Eddie Jones up there, watching Saracens, comfortable win for them. He's wrapped up against the cold, thinking maybe this England job wasn't such a good idea. But when he looks at the amount of quality young England players on display, and let's not forget that Newcastle are struggling a little bit. They had 10 or 11 players who've come through their academy, similar for Saracens. Very, very encouraging. Nick Tompkins was one of those players, scored a try. Yeah, I thought. All of the, the Saracens boys did well, particularly Billy Vunapola. He was the difference when he came on. It was a very workmanlike performance by Saracens. Did everything they need to do, but they didn't really have any momentum. Vunapola came in, got in behind them a couple of times, and suddenly Saracens playing on the front foot. The handling, superb. And Tompkins' try here, brilliant. Great little delayed pass. He follows it up. He's got his eyes on the ball. Picks up. He has a lot to do. And he just forces his way over the line. So, yeah, there, there are really good um, young English players. Some of them weren't playing in that game. Owen Farrell wasn't there. Um, so there's a young Englishman called Charlie Hodgson who got man of the match who, who was absolutely <laughs> superb. 80-metre interception start, start draw. He was, he was Scotland in the Six Nations. Yeah, I mean, he was outstanding. Lawrence, brilliant. the interesting thing as well, these guys are being given positions of responsibility as well. The, the, the coaches, Mark McCall, obviously for Saracens, he's making them make decisions. He's putting them under pressure. Yeah, Saracen's looking uh, in fantastic form at the moment. I think the key that they have, as Ben said, lots of young guys coming through the academy, getting their opportunities, but at, in the crucial positions at halfback, you know, they can rest so many of their players, put some of their perhaps first choice starters on the bench. But when you've got the likes of Charlie Hodgson and Neil de Kopp, you know, playing, all that sort of experience is, is fantastic. And, you know, Saracen's are probably top of the tree at the moment, but right across the Premiership, I think when, when there's a new coach, you get uh, a lot of excited players. The ones who, um, you know, have been playing in the World Cup have got to go out and prove themselves all over again. And the guys like Joe, who, who never quite made it, made the cut, have, you know, can go out there and put it out there and say, look, I deserve to be picked for England. It's also a chance, though, for people's reputations to be damaged. And we saw down at Bath, George Ford having an off day. Doesn't happen very often, but uh, it, it was actually essential to, to them losing the game. Well, we've, I don't know how many, I've lost count how many times that we've given him man of the match for outstanding performances, but this wasn't one of his be better days. And, uh, 
you could argue that um, Mike Ford, the coach, you know, probably should have and, and could have pulled him off and replaced him with Reese Priestley, who was on the bench. Instead, he decided to to pull off Oli Devoto and uh, and and bring on uh, Reese Priestley. But Luther Burrell, you know, making uh, a generous gift there from from George Ford. Well, George Ford not happy. Mike Ford not happy. Uh, Brian, you know, when the scrum is struggling. People look for excuses sometimes. You get the feeling, yeah, Mike Ford, well, let's listen to what Mike Ford said. You tell us what he's reading into this. This is what Mike Ford said. Too much influence is on referees guessing at scrum time. I mean, if we look at this, I know scrummaging is your forte, Brian, but when we look at this, Northampton haven't given away a penalty on their put-in since the third round. So they have got a strong scrum. Well... Bath took apart Leinster scrum a couple of weeks ago, so I would hate to have seen what Northampton would have done to that Leinster scrum. But listen, there are on occasion inconsistencies with certain referees, but maybe Bath need to look at themselves. I know that they've conceded the most yellow cards, so their discipline has been really poor. Eight so far compared to two at most other teams. So maybe that's something they need to look at rather than you know, pen, uh, scrum time uh, penalties. You mentioned young England players. You know, mm. Brooks there doing really well. You've got Waller at Northampton as well. On the, on the other side, you've got a couple of English guys at Bath. The, th the reason the referee will give a penalty is if one side's going forward. And although Mike Ford wasn't happy with it, yeah. if you're going backwards, you run the risk of giving away a penalty. And, and that's exactly what happened. Kieran Brooks in particular got on the front foot and whoever went in at the angle, Bath were going backwards and that's why the penalty. I used to love that saying in the dressing room at Leicester. We go up, we go down, but we never go back. I, I, I take it you're, you're talking about scrums? Yeah. yeah excellent. Yeah. That's yeah. reassuring. <laughs> Very reassuring. Right, moving on quickly. Our next two guests. Well, they are with Harlequins and Harlequins are enjoying a far better season than they were this time last season. Two very special players, one potential England captain, the other the kilted Dutchman. Please welcome Tim Visser, Jack Clifford. Good to see you again. Guys, good to see you here. Uh, Tim, um, we, we're going to have plenty of time to chat in more detail later on, but let's just quickly explain to everyone, you're a Dutchman, you play for Scotland. How? Why? Uh, residency. I uh, made a detour via Newcastle, but yeah, ended up at Edinburgh at, uh, at some point and uh, played there for six years and after three years uh, made my, uh, my residency for Scotland. Great stuff. He's doing all right for you now. Is his yeah. first season? Carving up for us, yeah. Scoring three tries at the weekend, a couple more against uh, Bath. So yeah, we're loving him down here. Tim, first season with Harlequins. It's going so well, but six seasons with Edinburgh. Why the change? Why the move? Uh, I thought I was becoming a bit stale there. Um, we kind of changed the way we played, and I, I didn't feel it suited me uh, so much. So I think it was just sort of time for a change, um, probably. <laughs> Didn't see you that much. You were leading try scorer for those four seasons. You scored 48 tries. I thought it was suiting you pretty well. Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, I managed to break my leg at some point in my fifth season, so that put a bit of a downer on it. And then, uh, you know, when I came back from that, a lot of things had changed at the club, and uh, I probably wasn't getting as much ball as I wanted. And <clears throat> wingers are quite selfish guys. And, uh, you know, in the end of, the, of my contract, I came out of a long deal. I, I felt like uh, 
trying something else, having a new challenge, and uh, it's yeah, it's working out really well. So when you got when you got to that point, sorry, when you got to that point, you must have had offers from different clubs. So was it the attacking flair that Harlequins sort of pride themselves on? Was it one of the drawing factors? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Quinn's obviously a big club with a big tradition, and they've got a very particular style of play. We call it the Quinn style. It's something that we're very proud of, and uh, you know, that's something that's been really coming through in our first couple of games this season, I think. And when uh, I went down to, to meet Connor, he kind of explained that. And, um, you know, I thought he was a great guy. The way he approaches rugby suited me perfectly and was something that I was really looking for. So that was a, a big draw for me, yeah. Let's have a look at your game against Irish. Three tries for you and Harlequin's season just rolling on. Very impressive indeed. What was the mood like? I mean, what, what you, to, to get a hat-trick, a winger, you say they're selfish individuals, you want a hat-trick. Just give us an idea of the feeling. Something I've yeah, never enjoyed. Good. I mean, this one was brilliant just because it's in front of a big stand, so everyone's kind of going going crazy, so that's good. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I was, I, it was a good game, and I felt there was opportunities all over the field, so it, it's really exciting for a winger to sort of feel that there's opportunities and there's chances to score, and then um, when you do, it's obviously even better, I guess. And you, you, you're able to do this because you're getting off a strong platform. We'll chat with Jack in a little while, but Quinn struggled last season. They're up front. They weren't the force that they had been in previous seasons. This season, they seem to have got it right again. Yeah, definitely. I think the forwards are providing a really good platform for us. And, uh, you know, obviously the front five decide if we play rugby. And uh, they're certainly deciding that at the moment. You know, our, our scrummaging is a big factor. And uh, every time we, we manage to get a penalty or a clean ball of it, you'll see the enthusiasm through the team. And, you know, not only getting a clean ball to attack with but also you know when we do win a, uh, a penalty from a scrum you see everyone coming in and all the backs congratulating the forwards because it's a large part of our game. We chatted earlier so your, your journey to to Harlequins your journey to the Scotland team has been an interesting one we've got a question here that's been tweeted in from LT Ultra Submarines and their question here is given Tim's success why aren't more clubs looking to Holland for players because it is a sport that's on the rise you've certainly got the stature yeah, we're, we're a very tall race. Uh, I think that's probably where it stops, though. Rugby's a, a big amateur sport in Holland, so you know, there's, there's not um, a huge amount of, of rugby education over there. There's certainly talent, just like any other country, but these kids aren't getting the, the rugby education and the academy system and the pathways that, that they do over here. And it means that by the time uh, talent is identified or has been identified, it's normally too late. I was very lucky to get picked up really young at the age of 16, which meant that you know, people like John Fletcher still had, had time to sort of need me into what, what, they, what they wanted me to be, but um, it's normally too late, to be honest. Jack, what about, uh, we mentioned about the, about the pack, the, uh, the Quinn's pack, um, and it certainly seems a different beast now, and your name is very much to the fore. What has changed? Quinn's seem to be bossing games now. I think we're doing really well with um, the guys we've brought in. I mean, the guy, the likes of Adam Jones, um, Kev, or uh, yeah, James Horwell, okay. uh, yeah, Matt Luamanu coming in. These players are coming in. They've really bolstered us. So they're making a massive impact for us. Uh, guys like Matt just sitting people down. Kev bossing the line out and. Uh, Jonesy running it from the front. Yeah, it's just they've made such an impact for us. Jack, on a personal note, I asked uh, Joe before. There's a lot of... You have to... But I do truly believe this. I think if you're going to play for England, you have to tell people, Lawrence will agree, that you're going to play for England. <laughs> gave, Are you going to play for England he one gave, day? He gave such a good media response. Uh, I, I, obviously, I would love to. It's a massive honour, and I, I mean, I've done it at the young uh, age group level, and I would love to do it. 
but I've got to earn my stripes at Quinn's first, do it all there, and that's where I've got to set my stall and, out and first. Whilst you're earning your stripes, if you had a preference, I mean, you don't, versatility kills you in terms of caps. I would have had 110 if I'd stayed <laughs> at scrum half, but if you keep moving, it's, is that good for you, or do you prefer to just stay at seven? I think in a modern back row, you've got to be able to play all, all positions. Uh, I mean, the contesting over the ball, it's not just the seven doing it anymore, it's anyone in the whole team. I mean, you've got full backs doing it so well, like Mike Brown, players like that who are so good at it. So, I mean, the likes of the old school seven, kind of that, that era's gone, I think. But uh, I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself yet, and I think that I, I want to kind of play, I, I just want to play. So, really, for me, it's just get myself on the pitch. That's what I want to do. Tim grabbed the headlines with his three tries. You scored a try as well. A couple of weeks ago, you knocked yourself out playing against Cardiff. Had to swallow your tongue, yeah. but you're on the pitch. <laughs> Clearly, you feel no pain. Um, and, of course, you know, you're grabbing the headlines, as we say. You're scoring a try here. You captain England at the under-20s to Junior World Cup success. People naturally are going to start talking about you, not just as an international, but as a future England captain. The current England captain plays in the Harlequins' colours. What do you make of all that? You see the headlines, this man can captain England. How do you cope with all that? Obviously, yeah, it's, it's a massive honour. And I, I mean, the fact that even anyone would think of that is, is, is great. And I feel very humble about it. But I, I mean, having someone like Chris Robshaw in the team, it's a great person to learn off. I mean, he's captained for years and he's really led by example, led our, led our team and then led the country as well. And he's led it so well. And obviously he has got stick before. I'd, uh, and I don't, I don't believe that he should have ever had any, any stick. I think he's a great captain and a great player. But, I mean, he's just someone to learn off, a great player to learn off. And the experience we have in the Quinns back row, we used to have, like, Murray Fassavalu, players like that. But Nick Easter's still there. I mean, he's a great player to learn off. Chris Robshaw, another great player to learn off. I mean, there's so much experience and so many good players. I mean, I've, I've had my uh, fair share of great players to learn off. Now, every Christmas, I like to, like most of us guys here, sit down, have a few drinks, tell my wife that she's bought me stuff that I actually wanted, effectively lie, sorry. Uh, but Harlequins, well, you're all about the big game fixture, aren't you, at Twickenham? And this year, it's taking place on Sunday, the 27th of December. Jack, you've been involved in big games before. How important are they for Harlequins in the calendar for the Harlequin supporters? Oh, they're massive for us. I mean, uh, you get... You, it's not every day you get to go and play in front of 80,000 people, and especially at Twickenham. So, I mean, it's a huge occasion in our calendar, and all the boys love it, and it's something to look forward to in, the, in, the, in our calendar. Tim, are you looking forward to this? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's obviously a big headline act. Uh, I think Rudimental's playing, which we obviously won't get to see, but, I mean, that's great stuff. It's a pop act, Austin. It's a pop act. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I get that. Um, so no, it's, it's obviously great. It's a great occasion. Uh, I think it's due to be a sellout, so you know it's going to be a great event. And uh, for players like us, that, that's the ones we want to play in. There's just one question I do want to ask you guys. Um, obviously, we're all talking with England about Eddie Jones taking charge. There was rumours that Conor O'Shea may have gone to Italy. He's gone fairly public, saying he's not interested in that. He's got unfinished business with Harlequins. How important is it for you guys that Conor O'Shea stays at Queens? It's massive for us. We, he, he's, built, he's built our team, he's built us. It, uh, and, I mean, the fact we won the Premiership with, with him, he's done such a good job with us. And, I mean, he pr promotes the youngsters, the young players. We, obviously, as a young guy coming through the academy, he's not afraid to put us in. And we, we love that, the fact that he's brought so many players through the academy, through the Dean Richards era, and, and uh, trusted us and kept us on and uh, given us an opportunity. Conor O'Shea is a liar. 
He's a blatant liar. I know for a fact he's going to Italy on holiday next year. <laughs> I can't believe that he said that in the public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is actually going to. He is. He's going to Italy on holiday with me. We have a great time. We do sand. Why would anyone admit sauce. that, Austin? He's allowed <laughs> yeah, to lie about got that. A point. Okay, let's move on. Last week we gave you the viewers the opportunity to be involved and be our tenth judge on a voting panel to decide November's Aviva Premiership Player of the Month. And we're delighted to announce that you have voted for. Do you guess who it is? It's written on the screen there. Uh, just Nathan Hughes. Nathan Hughes, you are the Aviva Premiership Rugby Player of the Month. What next for you in this club? I guess just building each week, um, you know, working on the little things, right? And um, just putting on a performance uh, week in, week out. And when uh, given the opportunity, just take it with two hands. Premiership takes a break. European rugby is next on the list. And we have got some huge games coming up here on BT Sport. It starts on Friday night at the Kingspan in Belfast. Ulster, who are desperate for a win, take on Toulouse. And just to mark your card, at 6.30 that evening, we have Rugby Tonight Extra, previewing all the action into the European weekend. Glasgow Warriors take on the Scarlets. And then a big game in Paris. Racing 92, formerly Racing Metro, New team, new superstar, Dan Carter. Are we going to see him in action against the Northampton Saints? That is at 3 o'clock on Saturday on BT Sport Europe. And then on BT Sport 2 Extra, Benedict Treviso against Stade Francais Paris. Both teams looking for their first wins. Extra against uh, Clermont. Ospreys against Begler, and then a massive, massive game. Leicester Tigers, the only team to be with maximum points from their two games. They take on Munster at Thoman Park. That is a traditional, big-on European rugby match, 7.30 on BT Sport Europe. Oyanat take on Saracens. Big challenge for Saracens into the Alps against Oyanat, their first European game at home. Toulon then take on Leinster, and then the big one, if you're an English rugby fan, Wasps against Bath from the Rico Sunday, 5 o'clock here on BT Sport. So lots of big games. Which ones are you looking forward to? Which ones stand out the most for you? Lol? Uh, well, I think the, you know, the Wasp-Bath game, purely because both of them coming off the back of a defeat. Be really interested to see how they both respond. Um, and then obviously the reverse fixture back the other way. And uh, Ulster, it's almost make or break now for them, isn't it? Yeah, obviously the first one was postponed, uh, lost at home, so now they have to go and win really uh, you know, against French opposition, four-time winner to Toulouse, and Ulster have been decimated with injuries, another four injuries off the back of last weekend's um, Pro 12 game, so yeah, they'll, they'll be definitely up against it, but you never know, it's not an easy place to go and play as Belfast. Yeah. What about the mood in Leinster? What's the mood there at the moment? Because they have not had a good time in Europe. No, they haven't. But I think it's picked up a small bit. I think, you know, huge disappointment. First time that they've lost back-to-back -back games since 96 and 97. So, obviously, they're all but out. Mathematically can qualify. But, you know, when you've got Toulon back-to-back, -back, you'd have to imagine it's not going to happen. Um, so they just want to, you know, get performances going again. Played a lot better um, two weekends ago. Their game was postponed this weekend. Uh, so an opportunity to blood some young guys and, and get that, you know, those fresh faces in and, and hopefully get, you know, get better performances you know, to, to match these guys when, when they see them again in January. That's a fantastic performance. Ben, talking about big games, Racing Saints, they've played each other before over there. Um, again, it'll actually break the group wide open. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you look at the, the performance against Bath, some big, big game players stood up for uh, Northampton. The scrum will obviously be massive. The French 
put a lot of uh, stead in the scrum, though, though the Premiership certainly that's that's been big. But I, I just think that you know, um, if, if Northampton can get on that roll, suddenly their season is just building and building and building, and, and that will be uh, very dangerous for a Dan Carter. Do you think yeah, well, well, that will be exciting, the, won't it? Yeah. It'll be exciting. But the problem is for Saints, they played Racing last season in the pool stages, and they were going well in Europe, and Racing Lawrence with a team that ruined. Northampton's European campaign. They put doubt in their mind. And actually, if you look at their form then through to the end of the season, they never really recovered from that. So, uh, Racing could do some damage. They could do some damage. And, uh, you know, bad news for Saints is I think this is a better Racing side than we saw last season as well, as you say, with, with Dan Carter. But him coming in... Yeah. Fresh as well. That that, that might be, everyone might look to him and go, go on then. <laughs> and he's learning it, you know, learning a new language. I know there's lots of English people around there, but learning a lot of new moves as well, a different style of play. It could could work the other way along. Yeah, they'll be expecting a lot from him, particularly if he's got Ali Williams looking after his social <laughs> calendar. Goodness <laughs> knows what state he's going to be. Should we have a bit of a straw poll? Who thinks that an English side could win the European Cup this year? Hands up. Put your hands yeah, up. Yeah. 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 Anyone going with a French team? No, oh. Scottish? Oh, one, you there. <laughs> him, it was him there. Anyone drinking. Scottish? Yeah. Is anyone Scottish? No. <laughs> uh, Welsh team? Uh, no, so, no, OK. We think well, what about the mood? Harris. What about the confidence, though, for Wasps? And you, you look at them, you know, what you've done. Two wins, big wins against Leinster mm. and against Toulon. How does that set you up for, for a game where, against a team that you know very well, Bath? Yeah, yeah, we've played Bath once this year already and managed to scrape a win against them. It's going to be a tough old fixture. Um, we need to win to put ourselves in with uh, a chance of, of getting through to the quarterfinals. But we, we know that we've got um, the follow-up fixture next week, so it's a tough one. We'll play them four times this year, so we're getting very used to them. But, but, but we're looking forward to getting back on the pitch after a disappointing weekend. And Leicester, Ben, against, against Munster. I mean, they're going so well. We've, we've mentioned it before and it needs re repeating. What a difference. A season makes. They're in a, such a better place than last year. Oh, the, the confidence is high. I think you know, everyone's saying Aaron Major's done a brilliant job. You've got to give credit to Richard Cockrell, who everyone was saying nine months ago he's lost the dressing room. Well, if you lose the dressing room, it's very difficult to get it back. So whether it was quite as bad as everyone's making out, but it was him who said, I need to get someone like Aaron Major in. They've done a fantastic job, but what a game this, this weekend. Toman Park to go to, Leicester against Munster. Rematch of the 2002 final, uh, which loads of people were brilliant in, not just you, Austin. Um, <laughs> but but it's it, that that battle between the two sets of fans. There's a, the, since that day, there's been a really good uh, battle between the fans. It's going to be a great. Atmosphere. It's different when you play them away. It's different when you play them at you know in the Millennium Stadium and win man of the match. But when you're playing, I've not played at Tormen Park. So when you're playing there, how different is that? I mean, you've played there on numerous occasions. They're, they're so passionate. They're so intense. It gives them an extra man. They will it? love it that they're starting to be written off. They will absolutely love it. And um, they've, you know, they've lost back-to-back -back games. But, you know, they won their first game against Treviso. Second game called off. It's a great opportunity for them to ju jump up and top that leaderboard and have two wins out of two. So, you know, as much as Leicester are showing good form coming into us, you know, Munster will back themselves at home always. Last weekend, we've shown Leicester an awful lot because it was a very very much reduced strength side that lost to, to, to Newport. So uh, it's quite a tough thing as a, as a Leicester player to get your hand around, head around how you're going to play against them. Brian, I want to come back to a point that you made there about they'll love it that they've been written off. Um, Irish sides aren't doing particularly well at the moment. Why is that across the board? You, you maybe expect one team to be struggling, but why all of a sudden Connacht apart maybe 
uh, the, the big names, the big teams that were so used to doing so well, just struggling a bit at the moment? Yeah, I think if you look across, uh, across the board, I don't think we have those marquee players that we used to have in the past five or six years. You know, there's some good quality international players or some international players coming in, but no superstar names. You're not signing the likes of the Rocky Elsoms anymore. You know, Jim Williams, a World Cup winner, came into Munster. Uh, Johan Muller up in, up in Ulster. Those guys aren't there anymore. And so there are guys that have come in and replaced them, haven't quite you know, lit it up as, as much as, as, as their uh, predecessors. So um, you know, it is a bit of a concerning time for, for the Irish provinces, but they just have to play their way into a little bit of form. And albeit, you know, Munster are really the only hope of, uh, at this moment in time, I shouldn't write off Ulster just yet, but Munster look as though they're the most likely to get out of the group. Um, but yeah, you know, a bit of concerning time for Irish rugby. Lawrence, what about Exeter? We haven't mentioned Exeter and their chances. I mean, they are a team who potentially could go very well in Europe. Yeah, I mean, listen, they've, they've been there before. They've got that European experience. Um, they're clearly going very well in the league. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough group, though, with the likes of Ospreys. You know, they want to be one of the, you know, the, the leading contenders as well. Claremont, we haven't even mentioned them, along with Racing and Toulon. You know, huge huge challenges as well. But there's no reason why, if, um, if Exeter can transfer that form that we saw against the likes of Wasps at the weekend, that they'll be uh, able to get out the group and, and look to the knockout stages. Joe, when we look at a, a player, and it's happened to yourself, one of the key players getting a, a devastating injury, which we think has happened to, to Henry Slade, is going to keep him out for a long time. How does that change the dynamic of the team and the psyche of the team? Well, Henry Slade is a fantastically skillful player. Um, normally makes the right decision and, and um, he's a real go-to for the Exeter team. He gets a lot of rugby there and, and um, unfortunately it's gutting for him and, and probably most of the country that he's picked up an injury in, in uh, the start of um, the New England coaches era. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for them to, to find a replacement for him. He is, he is a, a top quality player but, but um, um, they're not, I'm not really sure how they'll, they'll deal with it. They might have to shuffle a few players around because he's been playing in the 13 shot for the last two or three years and, and that's been his own um, shirt. So they're going to have to mix things up a yeah, bit. They've got Witten, Dolman, they've got a lot of guys. A lot of talent and flexibility in that part they've, line. They've got some great players, but, but no one quite with the, with the, with the vision and, and skill level of Henry Slade, unfortunately. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again soon for more rugby insight and analysis. See you then. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.